Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process. Of course, I'm your host, Greg Wareham. So we all know that the real estate market is always changing and evolving. You know, in certain markets, we can see the supply of real estate, real estate outpace the demand, where there are just too many listings relative to potential home buyers. And we really saw this at a high level in the last recession, right? 2008, 9, and 10. But over the past couple of years, we've seen the complete opposite, where demand significantly outpaced the supply of real estate. Inventory shortage coupled with low long-term interest rates and some COVID-related relocations has really impacted the market and it's impacted the overall pricing. Now, we've seen some more stability over the course of the past few months, but today's guest who I'll introduce in a couple of minutes is going to really go deep on this. I'm really excited to have him. So economically, real estate does factor into the overall consumer price index. And it's part of the reason that we're seeing higher overall inflation as a country. So housing coupled with supply chain issues, with oil challenges, as well as other metrics, has really led to inflation increasing from 8.5% in May of 2022 to 9.1%. And as everyone's heard by now, the Federal Reserve increased their overnight lending rate by three quarters of a percent, really in an effort to get the inflation under control. Now, as I've had mentioned in past shows and nauseam, really, that when the Federal Reserve makes a change, it doesn't necessarily impact directly long-term interest rates, but it does impact the economy. When you look at our gross domestic product in quarter one of this year, it was down 1.6%. And if you look at quarter two, it was down 0.9 of 1%. And two consecutive quarters of gross domestic product decline is really a good sign of recession. Now, unemployment stays low at 3.6%, so the job market still remains strong, which is really partially helping the economy. Now, with that, the Fed also mentioned moving forward that they don't plan on increasing the interest rates as aggressively. So we're probably, we'll see what happens with that. We'll see what the political climate is for that as well. But no matter what the market, people will always have a need for real estate. And in my opinion, the keys to under, are understanding the overall market the data points that are important with the marketplace, and really the ability to lead your clients through all different types of market conditions, to be able to lead yourself, to be able to lead your team. And in order to shed more light on all of this, I'm really excited to announce uh, today's guest, Mr. Brian Hutchinson, Chief Executive Offer of the Monmouth County, Monmouth Ocean MLS. Thanks for joining us today, Brian. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me today. Hey, thank you for coming. And Brian, tell us about yourself. I know you're successful as a leader, business, you got a lot going on. I mean, I'm just a regular guy trying to make a difference in the world. That's it. Uh, Just like you, I put my pants on one leg at a time, get up and go to the grind every day. (laughs) I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. So what's your background, Brian? Um, well, I'm a mutt, right? Uh-huh. Uh, everybody thinks I'm from Texas, but truth be told, I was born in Florida, lived in Minnesota. I think I moved 19 times before I got out of high school, uh, five years, nine months, 22 days in the military doing that kind of hoo-ha stuff uh-huh. uh, enjoying life. Was your family in the military? Uh, you know, my dad was okay. uh, when I was a uh, itty bitty baby, but uh, not in any formative years. It okay. was, uh, I, I really had no choice that I knew of. I'd, I'd received a... Uh, scholarship to University of Texas at Austin for uh, architectural engineering, full ride. And uh, oh, so you're like really smart. No, I'm not. I'm, a, I'm as dumb <laughs> as a rock. Anybody who knows me, I'll tell you that. Uh, I got it because I was good at drafting, right? And uh, I went to see my high school guidance counselor and they're like, Brian, you're not college material. You need to give that scholarship to somebody who could actually put it to use. Your college isn't for you. <laughs> and man, I had no, uh, I had no clue, you know, what to do. And uh, so I gave it up. I, I joined the military. I didn't have any place to live uh, and uh, joined the military and probably best, uh, except for marrying my wife, probably the best decision uh, that I made uh, uh, in, in life. Yeah. Form, that's fantastic. Formed me into the, in part into the, to the man I am today. You know, I read somewhere that you were a paratrooper. Uh, that that's accurate. I, I uh, 39 uh, jumps out of air vehicles. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's got to be completely exhilarating. It's going to be life changing when you do things like that. I was fortunate in the military that the time I went in, I got to experience some really cool stuff. So right. I went in, you know, during Desert Storm. In fact, I was uh, in, uh, in uh, Special Ops Airborne School in uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, the night George Bush came on the the news and said, we've crossed that, you know, Saddam Hussein, you've crossed that line in the sand. Wow. I'll never forget that. 
uh, I I did not go to Desert uh, to Desert Shield Desert Storm. I missed uh, by two days when I got to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. So the first year at permanent duty station, um, I was on the All Army Marksmanship Team shooting pistols, and okay. I was testing parachutes. Um, so I, my day consisted of getting up, working out, eating going to the firing range for uh, five hours, uh, going back, eating some more, working out again, and going and jumping out of a plane and testing. Make sure the parachutes work. Yeah, make sure the parachutes work. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, You know, you do what you're you're told to do, right? Right, sure. Yeah, so. So now from a business standpoint, I know you're a very successful business person, and, you know, you've taken this role uh, as the CEO of Monmouth Ocean County. What's a little bit of your background from a business standpoint? So I owned my own consulting house for a long time, did uh, work with nonprofit organizations, uh, churches, uh, associations, things like that for a while. In uh, 2007, a client of mine uh, that was in a a custom home company, he he wanted me to design a customer support plan for him. Okay. And I did. And he really liked it. And he made me one of those offers. And it was one of those offers of what would it take for you to come run this? Right. And at that time, I had a, a, just a strong desire to do the work for nonprofits at no cost without charging them. But I wasn't making enough money outside and the, you know, on the for-profit side of consulting to do that. Sure. And so I gave him a number and, and attached to that number, I said, I want you know 10 hours a week uh, to be able to do pro bono work for, uh, for nonprofits. And he was, he was completely down with that. His name is Victor Meyer, still a great friend of mine. And, uh, and so uh, off we went. You know, I think he... He did about 800000 a year before we did that, and uh, he and I were together for a little over 10 years and um, uh, grew the company to, uh, you know, doing well over $10 million a year and wow. um, just had a great time. We expanded it out, and it, that was a, a residential construction. We expanded into a commercial construction, a remodeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, we owned the, um, uh, still in my consulting house, so we did B2B consulting as well, and then my wife and I uh, had a car dealership to offset our, our, our hobby of uh, cars and motorcycles and airplanes and all those fun toys that you know sure. guys have to have and, and women have to have and, uh, and some commercial property and some uh, residential real estate that was rental property. And um, it was good. Life was real. The real property industry has been very good to me in life. And, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah. We had a lot of life happen um, as it does. And um, a lot of life happened. And in 2018, Karen and I, my, my wife and I, we just came to this point of making a decision. And it was, we, we kind of said, what is it, what does it profit us? Right? We've got, we've, we've generated enough. Mm-hmm. Um, are we somehow losing who we are in this? And, and we decided that uh, we were going to sell out, sell off and do something different. And the choice came down to uh, going to Costa Rica Opening a bed and breakfast on the beach, raising sloths, you know, sure. just chilling in a chair every day uh, with a cold Corona uh, or finding a way to serve realtors. Right. And realtors have been such a part of helping Karen and I through the life that happened. Right. Um, uh, that we chose to serve realtors. And, and that's how I got into this industry. And I, I was at a large association in uh, Central Texas for, for a couple of years and uh, the National Association of Realtors had reached out to me and put me in contact with Mammoth Ocean mm-hmm. and uh, came here to Jersey. And I drove over that the first time I drove over that bridge uh, coming coming south from the airport, you know, on, on Garden State Parkway. I picked sure. up the phone and called my wife. I was like, you will not believe what the real New Jersey looks like. <laughs> it's amazing. Right. You don't know until you know. Yeah, you don't know. You know, one of the things that really stands out about what you just said is even as a young person, you go into this business relationship and one of the caveats is I want X amount of time going towards nonprofit. Is that just how you're wired? Like that's a very, very philanthropic thing for someone that's young. So, so I moved, you know, 19 times before I graduated high school. I, you know, uh, I remember sleeping in the backseat of a Plymouth Fury Mm -hmm. with my brother, a great Dane and a poodle underneath the, uh, uh, a light in the parking lot. Right. And, um, uh, that's an impressionable, um, mark to be made. It's indelible. Sure. And, and somehow I think out of that and out of watching my best friend in life's parents and how they related to me and how they kind of took me under their fold to help me through, you know, high school years, uh, with couch to sleep on when I needed a couch to sleep on, 
clothes to wear when I needed clothes to wear, food to eat when I needed food to eat. Yeah. There was something about about that worldview um, that really just became woven into my DNA. And yeah. uh, you know, when I when I joined the military, I, uh, I I did two things besides being in the military. I continued going to school because I want to prove that college that high school counselor wrong, which right. I have three degrees later, I proved her wrong. <laughs> And, and I wanted to find a way to, to give back. And um, it's just become part of who, who you are. Yeah, it's part of who we are. And, yeah, uh, that's great. I mean, you do it on a different day. scale now, but yeah. that's who we are. Well, yeah. you know, and even uh, making the decision to come here to New Jersey, get outside of your comfort zone, you come here to right. make an impact. You don't need to work. But this is more of a vision of how you want to help and how you want to push things forward. That's, that's fantastic. It, it, uh, um, yeah, I want to work. Uh, I want to, we've got some big life goals. I'm mm -hmm. trying to, trying to find a way to help 75 million people, uh, out of homelessness. Uh, that's one of our goals that uh, my wife and I are working on. Mm -hmm. Um, but make no mistake, man, I'm, I'm a driven guy yeah. and, um, Can uh, tell. I'm, I'm driven and I, I want, you know, the best for my members and best for my staff. And, uh, we, uh, you know, our association, I'm so incredibly fortunate to have the leadership team that we have and the board of directors that we have. And we're, we're uh, committed to changing the trajectory mm -hmm. of what organized real estate looks like. What's and, your vision for the Mammoth Ocean MLS? Well, we want to be the association that helps members sell more. Right. It's that simple. And beyond a vision, it's really the value proposition of who we are. It's a, you know, sell more is actually an acronym for us serve, educate, listen, legislate. Okay. But it speaks to what we want to be about. We, we, we have said, you know, long gone will be the days when the association lords itself over the members. Right. We're going to exist for the members and we're going to help them in every aspect of their business, the complete life cycle of being a real estate professional, how that translates into their life, into building their businesses, selling their businesses, giving back to their communities. Right. We're going to help them do that. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's our goal. That's what, what we're aimed at doing. You know, we were chatting a little bit off air about some of the initiatives that you have going on right now that can really make a difference for real estate agents. You mind speaking to some of those things? No, I don't mind. I, I don't want it to sound shouldn't be braggadocious, but Not at all. I'm, I'm proud of what, uh, what our team is doing. Um, you know, the, the two biggest things that we've done, um, which don't seem like they're big things in the grand scheme is one, we've made a commitment to figure out how to give time back to our agents. Right. Right. So we know that the most precious commodity we can give that we can help create is time management. Mm -hmm. Um, so, for example, what sucks your time? Well, if you're standing on the doorstep of a house trying to get into it and you've got your clients there and your little e-key thing doesn't work, um, not only do you look bad in front of your clients, but that's sucking your time. Right. Um, when people contact the association, you know, 85% of the time, they're not calling just because they love us and they, they want to say hi and check on us and see what's for dinner tonight. They're calling us because they have a real need. Sure. And it's a pressing need and it's the time. So, so we've, we've made a significant investment into creating live customer support. Uh, we've got a goal at the association that 85% of all phone calls will be answered live. 85% of those calls will be dealt with without being transferred to somebody else. Okay. And the, uh, call volume time will be under three minutes. So we do uh, this year. We'll do with over. You ready for this? Over sixty thousand telephone calls directly into directly the MLS. In, wow! Uh, the total total calls uh, that go through our our phone system. We track it. So over the twelve month period, it'll be just over sixty thousand total phone calls. We're running uh, right now about 91 percent uh, answered. Uh, a little over 90% without being transferred and call time's a little long, but, uh, we're working on it. So yeah. that's, that's one, right? That's one of the initiatives we're working on. That's a huge change. Sure. Um, uh, the one, uh, exciting one, one of the exciting ones, we, uh, we started a, a consumer education website. Okay. It's, it's called the real new Jersey.com. Right. Um, the real new Jersey.com. Uh, it really came out of this, you know, it, it, it the idea of it, it was birthed with uh, our director of communication and I were talking about this stereotype of New Jersey. Right. And 
And how many times have been asked in the first year I was here, are you crazy? You moved from Texas to New Jersey. What do you think about New Jersey? You know, yeah. right? We and, were talking about it offline because I come from Massachusetts originally. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking New Jersey, Newark, right? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. And when you yeah. get here, you don't know until you know again. Yeah. I mean, I, my idea of New Jersey was Tony Soprano and Snooky or whatever her name is, you know, the, 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 the real, whatever that show. I don't have any idea. Right. And again, when I drove over that bridge, I was like, this whole nother world. And, yeah. um, uh, it was beautiful. Uh, I mean, it was just beautiful. And the pace of life is so slow. Uh, and the quality of life is so good. Right. Um, I mean, I think, I think people in New Jersey kind of, if, if this is where you're at and what you're used to, you don't know what exists. All right. I got to point out. So Brian's so driven and intense and pushing forward that he's looking at New Jersey saying, well, it's kind of slow paced around here relative to how I, I usually yeah, drive well, this thing. Yeah, well, <laughs> so I, I, I've had people call me nuts for that, but in my experience, and, I, and I've lived around the world, right? Uh, uh, um, I don't know how many states I've lived in. I lived in Europe for a while, um, traveled a, uh, extensively. This, yeah. is, it's, this is a slower pace of life than I'm used to, and I love it, by the way. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Uh, I love taking a long lunch break and having conversation and getting to know people on a personal level as opposed to, you know... Uh, a coffee and uh, Burger King shoved down your throat while you're trying to get a deal done right. in in uh, in six minutes or something. Right. Well, uh, food matters here. Yeah. Well, it it absolutely does. My <laughs> wife and I are like we don't know what we're missing. This is insane. Uh, we've got our list of favorites, but anyway, we started that website out of yeah. that of trying to paint a real picture of what the state of New Jersey looks like. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're, we're focused specifically on Middlesex, Monmouth, and Ocean County right now. That's where the largest portion of our, uh, our subscribers to the MLS are at. And so uh, that site is cool. It paints an, this entire picture. Uh, every community in Monmouth, Middlesex, and Ocean County has its own page, mm -hmm. featured page, pictures, live pictures, current pictures from those places, description of it. And then we run um, all the properties that are active, real-time realtor data, mm -hmm. not not the third-party syndicated. It updates in 12 or 24 hours or whatever. Real-time data uh, on every listing that's available. And um, do you and have to be a member to access it? No, it's that's completely a consumer site. That's great. Uh, with the uh, no cost, nobody's. We're not logging anybody's information. We're not asking people for stuff because obviously we're not selling. Right. Um, there's, yeah, there is a contact page on there. Mm -hmm. The really cool thing about that is the contact, click on it. it uh, you know, I find a house in Red Bank that I like, and I click on that house, uh, and, I, and I fill out that form, contact me. It sends it to, to that listing broker. It goes to their office. They're listing their lead. Amazing. Right? Why, we don't need to make money off that. Right. Why, why should we be making money off from what they're out there generating making money? We're here to support them, to help them sell more. Sure. And so that's a, that's another one of the cool initiatives. We got a ton of that stuff that's going great. on. We're just touching uh, the tip of the iceberg of what we're going to do. Yep. Uh, but it's uh, it's pretty exciting times. And that's the real NJ.com? Real New Jersey. Oh, it's the whole word. Out. Okay. The so real New Jersey. Spelled out. Everything's spelled out. That's yeah. great. Everyone's got to check that out. Yeah. So a question for you about the MLS as a whole. So how important is it to have a locally run MLS versus one of these bigger conglomerates? That are in the market and not comparing yeah. one bad or good, but what so, do you think? Um, uh, six ways, one half a dozen, another, right. um, um, I've been in, in both types of market, both as a broker, as a real estate broker, owning my own brokerage, sure. uh, and obviously in my shoes, uh, in executive capacity in the MLS. And so, and I've been in and around real estate since in 2005, 2006, seeing everything that's happened in the market, mm -hmm. right? Um, my, my personal belief is that real estate should be local and organized real estate should be local. Mm -hmm. Um, local has taken on a new meaning because of digital footprinting, right. right? And, and geographical boundaries related to, uh, the, uh, to the virtual world, they don't exist. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you're not from New Jersey, uh, you just look at a map, you know, I'm from California. I want to move here. I don't understand the difference between coming over that bridge, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I don't understand the difference between what Red Bank is and what um, uh, 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 Manahawkin is, right? Right. I just don't understand that difference. And so local real estate agents really shine that light. Well, similarly, the practice of real estate is significantly different 
from geographical area to geographical area to geographical area. Yeah. You, know, you take New Jersey. Uh, you're, you're in the mortgage industry. You know as well as I do that if you're going through the underwriting process and you're working underwriting in Monmouth, it's going to look a little different than if you're underwriting in South Ocean. Yeah, totally. It's completely right. regional, different product types, everything. Absolutely. Yeah. So same thing with the processes. You know, North New Jersey, we l- rely a lot on this uh, process called attorney review, which is written into the New Jersey Administrative Code that right. uh, is, is built in there as a protection. Down South Jersey, they don't use it at all. Virginia, they're not using it at right. all. It doesn't even exist. So real estate is local. Um, real estate issues are local, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, down the shore, we deal a lot with um, uh, uh, resort type of property or second home type of property or or seasonal rental properties, right? right? Well, you know, they're not dealing with that same issue uh, in Philadelphia. They're right. not dealing with that same issue uh, in in Homedale, right? Necessarily, right? And so, uh, so. Just as real estate is local, the MLS as a as a uh, a facility, which everybody thinks of the MLS is this advertising platform. That's not what the MLS is. Right. It's not an advertising platform. That's a function of the MLS, but it's really a facility that's intended to create cooperation among uh, competing brokers mm-hmm. and offers of compensation. Right. right. Uh, to, that's what it exists for. And so that being localized, where local people are in control of what the rules look like and how it works and, and how you write um, uh, practices um, so that it fits your market, that's incredibly important. And that gets yeah. lost in the, in the megas. Um, yeah. That gets lost. Well, it's in impossible. The how do you track all that when you have so many different regions and so many different things going on on, the, on a bigger scale, right, if you're managing too much? Yeah. And, and you know, the same thing is, uh, the economy of scale that you can generate in a lot of businesses where bigger is better, mm. that actually gets lost in the MLS world. Okay. Right? So um, when you start talking about the, the big conglomerate, right, the big shareholder type of MLSs that are, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 associations or, uh, are, or are functioning in multiple states, um, not only do they lose that local aspect, but to be able to try and create the resources or manage the resources around taking care of the agent on the field in those local areas, sure. it costs more. You lose the efficiency and right. you know, strategic management is three simple things and it's all resource about resource control. Right. And, uh, no, that's uh, that makes perfect sense. It kind of speaks to you know everything that happens in our local market, right? So you got local MLS with local real estate agents that know the market. MLS knows the market. Local mortgage people that know the market. Absolutely. Different products, different areas. Local attorneys and local everybody because it just creates economies in our area that are good for the consumer yeah. and everyone involved. Yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, my wife and I, are involved in a uh, project in Iowa. I, th- I think I think it's Iowa. Okay. Des Moines? No. Okay. Could be Indiana. It's in Iowa. Okay. We bought a hotel out there. I don't know what it is. Okay. We, uh, we, we went with investment group. We bought a hotel, right? And uh, we're converting it to, to efficiency luxury apartments for a different reason. Help uh, uh, some populace of people that need help. Yeah. Point being that what's going on there um, is significantly different than what we're doing down in Tupelo, Mississippi. Sure. Which is significantly different than what we're doing in Dallas-Fort Worth. Sure. And so the team that we have on the field with the investment group that we work with, they've had to adjust because it's different. It's the same thing in real estate, right? It's, yeah. um, it, it, it is so localized and local expertise is so valuable to the consumer yeah. um, that, uh, that MLS has to have a role there or whatever serves the function of MLS. I, listen, sure. I don't know that MLS will be here in 20 years. Sure. Um, uh, I'm not convinced that, uh, that, that MLS will be the vessel in 20 years, mm-hmm. uh, whatever the vessel is, I tell you that Monmouth Ocean will be part of it and, and creating the best uh, best version of it. But. So how do you think when you look at some of the big uh, private companies, the Zillows of the world, right. you know, how do you feel as though they've impacted the marketplace, the agents, the MLSs? All right. So let me, I'm going to make a caveat here, right? Yeah. Uh, so Zillow uh, is a member of the National Association of Realtors. Mm-hmm. So, uh, their partner, their partner. Um, 
uh, and as so, we treat them the same way we treat everybody else, mm-hmm. right? Uh, generally speaking, let's move away from Zillow and let's talk about the general big third-party data aggregators. Yes. The, the, the digital creation of, uh, of marketing and footprint. That fills the backside of what the MLS does. So the MLS is a facility. It's always been a facility since MLS started, you know, in the late 1800s. Did you know that? I didn't. Yeah. So the MLS actually started with real estate brokers in small towns meeting on the main streets of their towns and sharing information with each other about what properties I have. I have a a book laying on my desk back in my office uh, that's from 1908, I think. And it's a handwritten journal day by day of a real estate broker's life. And he talks in that book about which agent had which property and how much was and the business transactions in detail and who he needed to collect rent from and all that stuff. That was the birth of what we call the multiple listing system. You know, 1960s, the, the first kiosk was, was birthed. Okay. And we've seen That's this fascinating. Yeah. We've yeah. seen this massive trajectory of what's happened, but it was never about advertising. MLS was always about communicating information right. To, to both offer compensation and, and create cooperation among participants, mm-hmm. uh, among people who are working together, right? Because cooperation, by the way, is the best form of comp, uh, competition. Mm-hmm. Make no mistake, right? When you have cooperation, you compete harder. Right. Makes right? sense. Yeah, yeah, no question. So, uh, so the third-party data aggregators are these big companies like the Zillow's, the Trulia's, the Realtor.com, which mm-hmm. is not owned by realtors. I don't right. know if you know that or not. It's a private uh, company. No, right? I did. So, oh, by an Australian co- company. Yeah. yeah um, News Corp. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, anyway, <laughs> those they have done more to uh, to help push real estate forward in the last twenty years than any other single thing. A lot of the success that we've had, people have had in real estate, has really come because of the billions of dollars that companies like the Zillow or the realtor.com or the Trulia's or whoever have pushed into the back end side of marketing. Right. To the um, consumer. Because they, yeah. yeah, because they've opened up, they've, they've taken a product that the real estate agent has and they've created an audience for it. Yeah. Right. Which is really the value proposition that they've given to organized real estate is we're, we're going to create a broader audience for you. So now instead of I have a house on the shore and now instead of it just being available to people who know something about the shore, it's now available to the entire world. Right. And investors from China or Korea or Russia or Australia or New Zealand or Costa Rica or Brazil or Argentina or people getting out of California uh, or wherever now can see that property. Where mm-hmm. before they couldn't. Yeah, um, that's great perspective yeah. on it, Brian. And so yeah. I think we owe, I think we owe a debt of gratitude now. Uh, and and by the way, and I think there's also a lot of political misleanings mm-hmm. in that. Uh, those those companies are in business for one thing: make money. Right. And um, uh, and, and I respect that. I, I like to make money. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with making money. I don't know anybody's in real estate just because they want to be. Right. You know, we're in it to make money. So why not let right. them make money? So little, I appreciate the perspective yeah. on that. So well, it's not going to be popular. Uh, I was just going to tell you, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'll catch some heat on that one. But it's true. It's true. I, uh, good, good folks. They do good things. Uh, right. Could it be done better? Absolutely. Could it be sure. more friendly to organize real estate? Yes. Uh, do I understand the argument of why do I got to buy my leads back? I see both sides of it. That's why we're giving the leads back to our agents for sure. free, by the way. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna Huge shift catalyst. gear I'm gonna shift gears a little bit right. on it, Brian. Just talk about uh, current data on the real estate market. Yeah. So what are you seeing out there? Where are we where are we at? Where are things going? Uh, so we're clearly still in a seller's market, mm-hmm. right? Uh, clearly still in a seller's market. Um, I, I've I've been seeing these social media posts of oh my god we're in a buyer's market, yeah. and and it, and most of them are from new real estate agents who've been in practice and. And they just don't understand how you define those markets. They've never seen sure. what an equal market is, what market in equilibrium looks like, let alone a buyer's market. Uh, I got a, a, in a conversation with an agent the other day. He said, we're in a buyer's market. I said, why do you think that? And they're like, my, my, 
my client only was competing against a couple of offers and, uh, and they accepted and a contingency. Yeah, they accept, <laughs> exactly. And they're like, I'm like, yeah, you're so, you're so far removed from what a buyer's market looks right. like. And, uh, and I was trying to think actually, were they, were they alive the last time we had a buyer's market mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, in 2006, 2008, but, uh, market is strong, you know, Mammoth ocean market is strong. Uh, I look at the three year averages, uh, uh, so 2000, uh, 2020, 21, 22, month over month. Uh, you go back to like June uh, of this year, uh, and we're right on right on the money. You know, you talk about sales, Mammoth Ocean uh, in Mammoth County, uh, 1,090 homes sold, sold mm-hmm. uh, 1,120 in Ocean. You know, the three year average is 1024 and uh, 1137. So we're right there. Yeah. Um, um, the amount of inventory. Um, the average amount of inventory in the last three years, Monmouth County, 2.7 months, Ocean County, 2.57 months. Okay. June of this year, we're at 2.65 and 2.225. All right. So we're right there. So, uh, so th- there is maybe semantical difference in some people's mind in, in my granular mind. It's not, mm-hmm. um, we don't have a shortage of inventory. Uh, right. We have a surplus of buyers. Right. Um, and, um, and I know that sounds kind of like the same thing, but it's really not. Mm-hmm. The number of sales has stayed about the same, right? right. So we're still selling properties. Right. The number of agents has increased. Right. So there's more competition for those buyers and for those properties. And the number of buyers has increased. So we have a surplus of buyers. We have a surplus of agents. We don't have a lack of inventory. Mm-hmm. And understanding that and applying that principle for a real estate agent, if there's a realtor out there listening to this podcast, which I'm sure there's tens of millions of them, right? Right. Because uh, most powerful podcast in, in that's right in, in all, all the in world. All of that's right. Yeah, who, who knows Joe Rogan? Right. Uh, this is it. <laughs> I mean, they're going. You're going to sell this podcast yeah. probably. If an agent can pick up on that and understand the difference, um, there's some valuable leadership and business. Uh, um, derivatives. That's a, and that's a nugget. And I'm just going to repeat that because it's such a powerful statement. And there's no inventory shortage because the, the government in different things that I read would say there's a national inventory shortage, mm-hmm. which, you know what, maybe there is nationally, but when we look at our localized marketplace, not a shortage, Correct. surplus of buyers and more agents. So there's right. just more competition for those listings statistically that are in line. That's right. And so uh, so what does it what does it mean, right? Well, right. again, you know, being successful in life is easy. It's three simple things. Uh, it's it, right? It'd be intentional, be consistent, invest in people. I right. tell people that all the time. So what you have to do, what an agent has to do today, is an, an agent has to be very intentional about who they're going to work with. Now, listen, I'm an advocate. Uh, for everybody, right? Everybody deserves to be served. Sure. Um, even, you know, even um, uh, disgruntled people deserve to be served, right? Right. But when you're, we're selecting, you know, you're not in business, a real estate agent's not in business to lose money or to give their time away. You're in the, uh, in the banking business. You're not in business to just go do whatever you want to do. You have a certain amount of production. Your time is worth a certain amount of money. No question. Most uh, valuable commodity. Yeah. And most people don't know how to calculate yeah. that, by the way, of what their time's worth. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a great exercise for getting better is calculate what your time's worth. Because when you can calculate what your time's worth, then you can make better choices about what you're doing. Right. And all of a sudden, whether you're watching, you know, uh, uh, below deck Mediterranean, uh, or you're, you're making a few extra phone calls, right. it starts becoming important. Sure. How much uh, per hour is that costing you? Yeah, show, exactly. Right. That's an important factor to know. No question. So on this whole conversation of, is an inventory shortage versus surplus of buyers? I believe it's a surplus of buyers, um, and a stronger competition because there's more realtors in the, in the pool to fight for buyers. Those buyer, those agents that are good, the ones that are going to get the deals done, uh, are the ones that are going inten- to be very intentional about the about the buyers they represent, right? And they're going to be upfront to make sure it's actually a buyer, not a shopper, right? Right? It's actually somebody who is going to buy a house, who's qualified, not not just on paper, but uh, is is been uh, looked at. They know that they're going to be able to get the deal done, mm-hmm. um, because at the end of the day, local real estate most of the time hinges on local uh, relationships, right? And 
when you have competing offers that are very similar and agent A picks up the phone and calls agent B and agent C and they know agent B and agent B says, you can trust me on this buyer. Yeah. And agent C, they don't know and they don't know if they can trust it. If they were making a, a recommendation, if somebody's going to get closed, it's going to be agent. No B's. question. All things right. considered equal. Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, and that's, again, that's really great perspective on is understanding, okay, there's a surplus of buyers. So as an agent, you just need to be able to properly vet them yeah. to make sure that you're spending your time in the right places. Yeah. I, I, when I was a, a broker way, way back when, uh, I had uh, a bunch of agents. I had, I had one agent that was brand new. And, you know, when you're brand new, you just want to anything that makes money because everybody gets into real estate and they don't realize it costs money. Right. You think right. I'm going to get in that real estate. The, the <laughs> it just happened. Brian, it just happens. Yeah. The this heaven, is easy. Yeah. I'm going to go unlock the front door of a house. The heavens are going to open up. Doves right. are going to come down singing the Hallelujah Choir. I'm, I'm going to make six percent. and It doesn't right. cost any money. It doesn't take any time. And everything on HGTV is true. Right. Right. And then the reality strikes. And so I had this agent that was just wanting to uh, any deal and they they gotten a lease, uh, uh, the, the do a lease for a family member, and, and it was uh, like four four towns over from us. It was it was, it was like thirty miles, okay. Which and that was in Dallas Fort Worth market, so it's like an hour and a half drive during traffic time, right? right? For a, for a residential lease that was going to generate, you know, maybe two thousand dollars in commission, okay. Right? And and so we went through this exercise. What's your time worth, right? So if you gave that lease to somebody else, you made a referral over there, took thirty percent of it. Um, you know, you, you'd only put 600 bucks in your pocket. Right. Right. But when you make that drive over there, the first time to meet with them, drive over there the second time, put a lockbox on the house, put a sign in the door, drive over there the third time to meet the real estate agent who forgot their key or can't get in or drive over there the fourth time to meet the person sitting in the front yard that's calling you because I got to get in to see the house right now. And you don't want to take the steps to vet them out and make them do it on your time because you're so anxious. How much are you going to spend? Yeah. Right? And it's a simple, simple quantity. That's a very easy, simple um, illustration of this point. Right. You got to be intentional about who you're going to represent. And, and I don't mean the demographic of the person by any means. I think every human being on the face of this planet deeply deserves to be treated as a human being, regardless of where they come from, mm -hmm. what they look like, what they smell like. Couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, yep. Right. But, but you still have to be discerning about where you're spending your time because there is a surplus of buyers. Not every buyer is going to get a house. Not every buyer is capable of closing it. And you want to spend your time as an agent working with the right buyers. Sure. That makes perfect sense, Brian. So we're just going to go to a quick break, Brian. We'll be back in a few minutes, everyone. Greg Wareham, Brian Hutchinson. We'll be back in a minute. So I want to thank today's sponsor, DeRosa's Barbershop, conveniently located in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Listen, guys, if you're looking for an old world barber shop, this is the place to go. I mean, you can get things there like the Sweeney Todd, which is the traditional hot towel shave with hot lather, straight razor. They finish you with aftershave and balm. You can ask him for the King Louie. They have all sorts of different things to try to cater towards the way haircuts used to be. And they do a fantastic job. I just keep in mind it is a cash only establishment. So make sure that you bring your wallet with you. You also can book your appointments online. It's appointment only. The place is packed because the quality is so high. Check them out. DeRosa's Barbershop located in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Welcome back, everybody. Again, it's Greg at Your Mortgage Process and our special guest today, Mr. Brian Hutchinson, CEO of the Mammoth Ocean MLS. Brian, we were talking a little bit off camera about ec the economy and what's going on, local, state level. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, the uh, obviously the economy is on everybody's tongue right now. GDP um, is, is down right. Uh, currently right now. Uh, and it is very easy. I, I hear a lot of conversation about this recession. We're in a recession. We're in a recession, right? And 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 that word recession is kind of a strong word because it's uh, is really politically charged in the definitions of it. No so, question. I mean, you look at the GDP, right? The highest GDP has ever been eighteen point nine percent, nineteen forty two, at the start of World War Two, right? right. Um, and and thank goodness for that because they built Harley Davidsons for the military, and I own one of them, forty two <laughs> Harley Davidsons. I love it, right? One of my favorite motorcycles I own. 
Uh, that's the highest it's ever been. But if you go back and look at the last 20 years, GDP has run right around 3.5%. You go back to two, uh, 2000, uh, in, uh, tw- uh, um, 2002, GDP has been plus or minus 3.5% um, yep. through that entire period of time. In 2020, it was a negative 3.4%. In 2021, it was plus 5.7%. So a nine-point swing in one-year period of time. And, and you know, that was a, an interesting time because we we're kind of coming out of COVID and people were starting to spend money on um, different things. So uh, there was this, there is a definition that says we're in a recession. If you've got two uh, quarters of negative growth, you're in a, in, in a recession. Right. That's a, a real down and dirty way of looking at it. It's a quick way of looking at it. Um, in 2008, uh, you know, the, the National Bureau of, of Economic Research, uh, Research, which is the, the arm that the kind of the nonprofit arm that really monitors this so that we're not trusting the government right. <laughs> to give us that. They, they came up with a, of a definition of recession then, and they defined it as, uh, as a period uh, of uh, a significant decline in economic activity that spread across the economy for more than a few months. Right. It's nice and vague. Okay. Nice and vague. So <laughs> for more than a few months, so for four months, there has to yeah. be a significant decline in economic activity. Right. Um, and so, you know, do we have that? Well, in some economic factors, we do. Do we not have that? Some economic factors, we don't. Yeah. Um, it, uh, right now, I think we're, we're kind of at this equilibrium point a kind of a tilting point in the economy. The economy mm-hmm. is readjusting to post-pandemic world. Um, uh, GDP is obviously up. There's some factors that I always look at in real estate. There's kind of four factors I think we look at in real estate from economic perspective to get a grasp of where it's going to go, mm-hmm. um, separate from the rest of the economy. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I, I'm not prepared to say, yes, we're in a recession today. Yeah. Um yeah, it's a total gray area. I mean, you have that, you know, the drop in GDP for a couple quarters, but it's not to your point, when you look at it over a three-year time frame, a five-year time frame, what's the average, right? right? You know, what's that average? And are you really ahead of the game? But indicators point to the fact that you, we probably are. Mm-hmm. From a real estate standpoint, you had mentioned like the four points. Yeah. Uh, what were you referring to, Brian? So I think it, from real estate, me personally, right? Yeah. When when uh, we're considering real estate investments, or uh, when I'm um, I'm working with people in that realm, look at four things. Okay, number one, what's inflation doing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, where are we at? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, uh, yeah, inflation. Where are we at, right? So inflation is up uh, right now, nine point one percent year over year. Right. Uh, that's massive because that hits people in the pocket. Right. Right. Inflation hits people in the everyday pocket. Um, second thing, where's the interest rate at, right? Yeah. So uh, interest rate, so up. I mean, we're at uh, 15 years, 4.35, yeah. uh, 50, uh, 30 year is right around five and a half five, right now. Five and a quarter, five and yeah, a half. You see a dip and it, you know, it's, yeah, a, it's little cyclical, dip, little day high. to day. So is that bad? Well, uh, no, it's really not. Um, I mean, I, uh, do, do, I think, I actually think from a big picture, interest rates in the 2% was bad. Yeah. Um, because... There is a uh, there is a part of the real estate market that really relies on the refinancing of homes, right? right? That refinancing of homes drives part of our GDP, yeah. Our gross no question pop, about it, right? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, my wife and I, when we bought our house here in Howell, we we got our interest rate at like two percent, yeah. maybe one one point seven five percent on a thirty year fixed. You'll never refinance so, that. I'm never going to sell right. that house or refinance. If, if we moved, I'm probably going to keep the house and lease it out because that's free money. <laughs> yeah, it is. All right. And uh and so that hurts. And so you look at those things, you look at the interest rate, look at inflation. You look at uh, a factor that's called real disposable income. Right. Uh, now when you're when you're talking about recession you look at disposable income, you have to hammer down a little bit more into real disposable income because real disposable income is what affects the buying power of people. So disposable income is what you have after you pay your taxes, right? Real disposable income is what you have after you pay your taxes and you pay your mortgage and you pay your car payment and you pay everything else and you get ready to put money into savings. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the economy as a whole uh, over the, the last few quarters, that 
that real disposable income number is down. 7.8% in Q1 of this year, another 0.5% in Q2. That numbers were just released on July 28th. Uh, um, uh, and so Q2, you know, finished out another 0.5% down, which means people have less money. Right. So the delta between a mortgage has shrunk. So if you have less dis real disposable income, so you have less money to move up in your price point on a mortgage, and the interest rate has gone up at the same time, that creates this adverse reaction. You're going to, the same house now costs more money mm -hmm. and you now have less money to put towards the mortgage of that house. Right. And so that creates a constriction, um, which will slow down, uh, overall GDP. The overall growth of the economy is going to slow down because of this. We're seeing it right now in real estate. I mean, yeah. it's slow, it's slowing down still to your point. It's still a seller's market, but you're that affordability yeah. index with it, right? It's that things have just changed. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And so then, then the fourth thing I look at is, uh, is a factor called the uh, consumer confidence index. Right. I don't know how familiar you are with this or not, right? Pretty familiar. Okay. Yeah. So, so, you know, 1985, they started tracking this. So yeah. 1985 is the baseline. Think about the world in 1985. <laughs> oh my God. Right. And, and Wall so, Street, let's go. Yeah, right. Wall Street, uh, uh, Oliver North. I Fast think and loose. Right there, everything, right? So 1985, they said that is the that the score for 1985 is 100, and the consumer confidence index is based off from that, right? right. And so, how do people feel about the world effectively compared to 1985? I mean, yeah. most people weren't alive then to know, but that's what they they look at it, right? Yeah. And so that number has been um, since 2008, uh, uh, since the the big crash in 2008, right? Mm -hmm. That number really fell then. And if you look at it over time, it's grown and it's grown and it's grown and it's gone on a straight trajectory up. And in the last couple of years, it's, it's done the roller coaster. Uh, but in the last, last few quarters, that number has been steadily going down. Right. And we are now uh, past, we're now under that hundred mark, uh, which we haven't been under that hundred mark since 2016. Mm -hmm. And in 2016, we were on an upward trajectory. So that tells me the consumer right now is trending back to how we felt about the economy in 2008. We're trending that direction. And so those four things, right? Interest rate, inflation, real disposable money, confidence in the market. Yeah. That's really what affects people's uh, decision to buy. Yeah, and a lot of it's fear-based, right? I Absolutely. mean, you look at the, you know, where we're at right now, and, and I've spoken about this in, in the past on different podcasts. You have two issues going on right now. You have inflation, and you have people's fear of a potential recession, and they collide with each other right. because how you fix them are the complete opposite ways. Correct. And I think people are just getting their, they're nervous. Things are very volatile. Yeah, which is creating tension everywhere. Yeah. Because what do you tend to do? You tend to gravitate towards something that gives you comfort. In our country, that oftentimes becomes political bias mm. as opposed to realities, right? right. And, and so, I, you know, I encourage people, look, the, the sky's not falling. Um, we're still here today. Uh, we're, we're still going to Starbucks, uh, still buying new cars, still building houses and selling them faster than we can get them built. Right. Um, we're economy's in a good place. I, I heard a, I was listening to another podcast. Sorry. Right. Uh, what do you mean? Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, and a guy made a, a statement on a warm, but I think it was Warren Buffett actually was on the podcast. Made All right. This, that makes sense. Made the statement on it. Uh, I think it was Warren Buffett. I'm okay. going to attribute it to him. And he pointed out that, the average person in our country now lives better than John D. Rockefeller ever did when he was alive, has access to more that is, luxuries yeah. in life uh, than, yeah, you can see that. than one of the people that we hail as the richest, uh, most successful people in the history of our country. Right. It's a great perspective, and it's all about the paradigm on it, right? Absolutely. You know, I've always subscribed to the paradigm of everything always works out. Like, nothing ever completely crashes. It's more about what's the opportunity as a result of what's going on in the marketplace, right? Yeah. Entrepreneurs will always find that opportunity. There, Cause there always is one. Yeah. I mean, even when you, if we go into a recession, a recession is really a sale for the prepared, right? Correct. There's going to be all these different opportunities associated with it. And, you know, I think people get hung up, but there's so much going on in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And people just get hung up with the negativity associated with that as opposed to saying, all right, well, it is what it is. You know, how am I going to 
prosper? How am I going to do better? How am I going to give back? I'm going to do all those things that are important to me and attack things from that perspective. So what do you think, how do you think the political climate impacts real estate? So I think that the, the political climate in the U S is one of the most stabilizing uh, aspects of the real estate market. And what I mean by that is going to, is going to be different than what you think it is. So a truth is that no sitting president wants to be in a recession or have negative things going on at midterm elections, right? Facts. That's fact. It's just true. Facts. Yeah. Right. And so they, at midterms are always working to stabilize something right right now, or at least spin the narrative to stabilize something to try to drive that consumer confidence index up. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, Almost every first term president loses the house during uh, their first term in office, uh, midterm election. Um, And, that means the last two years of any first term president is almost always a stalemate, right? It's nothing's going to happen. Um, business likes a climate where nothing's going to happen. Investors like a climate where nothing's going to happen because the climate of nothing happening gives them stability. Yeah. Predictability. Says, yeah, yeah, stability and predictability. And those things help drive the real estate market. And, um, and so when you look at them compartmentalized, and I'm, I don't like to compartmentalize things, but when I compartmentalize real estate market political climate discord in a way helps us all make more money. (laughs) It's a great point. So I'm going to shift gears on you for one second. Please, please do. Cause I think probably that is another one's not going to be popular, but it's, it's true. Yeah, it's true. A logical human being thinking about it would see that. Yeah. And you know, and again, it really is all part of your paradigm, right? How you're attacking things and how you're going after and what's that opportunity. That's a fun part about life as a complete side note. Yeah. Greg, I, I tell people all the time that person in the Starbucks line that just lost their crap because their non-fat double mocha latte whatever drink was too warm or cold and they take it out on that barista. Yeah. That drink is not the problem in life. It's they have a different reality going on than what you or I have at that particular moment in time. Yeah. We all live in the same world. Uh, we all have the, the call to treat each other human, but different people are dealing with different things at different times in their life. And that, the cumulative nature of what we deal with is what creates our disposition. Yeah. Right. Same, same's true in real estate. Uh, when it comes to political climate and economic climate, it all impacts it's, it really comes to how are we going to, how are we going to deal with yeah. it? Yeah. I don't think anything will ever replace just head down and dig. Right. Right. Head down and dig. That's it. Because you always come out the other side. Right. What do you think the most important characteristics are in a leader, Brian? Um, so influence, nothing more, nothing less. So in influence of your others. Influ- yeah. Yeah. Leadership is the ability to influence other people. If you look at the qualities and the characteristics, like we talk about a, a great characteristic of leader is trust or a great character, least uh, characteristic of a leader is vision. That all comes back to the arm of influencing people. And the ability to influence other people is the single greatest trait, Um, whether that's to the good or to the bad influence is the single uh, greatest trait of a leader. You know what? As you say that, I just think about any presidential election we've ever had. It's all about who's influencing the people, right? Because when you look at, yeah, there's policies, there's different things like that. But at the end of the day, how can you communicate your message in a fashion that moves and motivates the other person? Well, and how can you influence those against you not to influence yeah. um, people against you, right? Yeah. Uh, it's twofold. It's not only influencing the people who are following you, but it's influencing the people who are not following you. Well, and that's the harder part, right? And that's really what defines a leader. It's, uh, yeah. it's a great answer. Thank you. So where do you think there's improvement in our industry? Where do in, we need it? In real estate. In, uh, in the whole, real estate industry, yeah. I mean, I think the single greatest thing we need in real estate agent uh, industry today, right now, um, it's for everybody to take a breath. Um, just really to stop, to close their eyes, to draw a sweet breath of life into their nostrils, to hold it in their lungs for a moment or two, and to let it out. And to realize that the greatest proportionality of what we're dealing with is a first world issue. Yeah. 
right? Housing is not to be laughed at, but there's so much tension right now. Um, it's almost perfect storm tension, right? <laughs> Recession, inflation's going up and interest rates are going up. You're starting and everybody's so tense with each other. Right. Um, that's what we right now, what we need is, is a dose of humanity. Uh, we need, we need agents, no matter where they come from, what they look like, how deep their wallets are, how wide their brain power is. Right. Um, we need uh, slow down, take a breath and, and, um, remember to treat the person that's on the other side of the table, uh, with, in, with integrity and, and respect. Well, and coming back to what you were saying earlier about the MLS and cooperation, right? That's yeah. what really makes it, makes it all work. Yeah. So the more we can cooperate with everything, obviously, the further we're going to get collectively. What do you think we do as a great in our industry? What do we do great right now? We serve people. Yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, uh, we help people put rooftops over their heads. Right. Right. This is why I love the real estate industry so much. Right. At the end of the day, the cumulative work that you do as a mortgage broker, uh, I do as uh, being part of a great team at, at Mammoth Ocean that the agent does in the field, that the inspector does, is we make it possible for people to lay down at night in a safe, secure environment with a roof over their heads. Mm -hmm. if, if you trace back the, um, uh, the, uh, the history of mankind, right? If you look back at every civilization through, throughout the centuries, the center of every civilization was the home life. Every single one. There's a worldview component to it, mm -hmm. but, but no matter what the worldview component to it, housing was part of that. For the nomadic people, they set up their tents and they interlock their tents at nighttime to protect from the outside, yeah. to have community on the inside. The Mayans, the codex of the Mayans, the paintings of the Mayans, do you know over 90% of them dictate the home life? Hmm. of the of what's been discovered. I didn't know that yeah, yeah. Uh, dictates life in the home that's that's what they it does the American dream a house white picket fence two and a half cats uh you know uh that's uh our kids rather not cats, uh, <laughs> cats, no, cats. no cats kids whatever <laughs> that's the dream is to own your own home and be there yeah. that's what we do right at the end of the day we help people uh have rooftops over their heads you know one of the things I love about what you said with that is it's it, it's the foundation in a lot of ways of who we are as yeah. people, right? When yeah. you go you know, through history, home life, that relationship, Absolutely. security, right? Home provides security. Yeah. A home provides from there creativity sparks, relationship sparks. And, and what's was really powerful, not to get overly philosophic, yeah. but I got when, time. Yeah. When you hone down on it, um, even though home life looks different to different people with almost universal application, people's memories, their foundation that they build off them is what happened in their home. Good or bad. What was happening in their home is no what happened in their home. Yeah. And that's not, no, my therapist tells me that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not isolated to the U S yeah. right. Uh, that's every culture in every community across this globe. Housing matters. Yeah. Uh, the ability to have a rooftop over your head, to have a safe, secure place to lay your head at nighttime is, is essential, uh, essential to the safety and security of any yeah. community. Uh, and that's, yeah. that's what we do in the real estate industry. Uh, yeah, that's fantastic. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Hey, I wanted to backpedal a little bit to the MLS. You had made a comment earlier about you could potentially see the MLS going away in 20 years. And I just want to dig a little deeper on that. Yeah. So, so, uh, history to that, right. As long as I've been in real estate, I've been one of the people that have been an advocate kind of for one MLS, one national MLS, right. Yep. Uh, not, uh, I believe that localized real estate is the answer. I passionately believe that, but you know, if we could have localized real estate in one national MLS, boy, it would be a lot better for our agents, man. I've, I've got agents that have to be members of two or three MLSs. This, my last association, most of my agents had to be members of five different MLSs mm. to practice real estate effectively and serve their clients, right? And that's yeah. just a waste of resources. And so I've been an advocate that there's got to be a better way. Uh, and I think we're not going to get to one MLS. We're not. Um, we will get the data share agreements, which will help it make it helpful a little bit. I think we're going to get to some 
some interesting ways that uh, income is distributed out of MLSs so that it helps bear, uh, groups on a broader sense. Sure. But I don't think that there's a solution inside of the MLS. And then I, I turn around, I look at the, the rest of the world. I look at, you know, the, the Zuckerbergs, Facebook, who he talks about the fact that Facebook's not going to be there forever. Right. Uh, right. That he thinks it's going to be replaced. I, I think about the local hardware store that was replaced by Home Depot, the local grocery store that was replaced by Walmart. Um, most of the third party data aggregators, there's a huge component that they cannot do. And so, you know, their job is to create an audience, which creating an audience means competing for the alternative use of a person's time. That's mm -hmm. how you get an audience, right? And so it's going to take the creation of, or all it would take is a better way of saying, is the creation of something else that better competes for the alternative use of people's time that fills that one outlying factor that technology will never fulfill. Right. And when that happens, I think there's room in the market for something besides MLS. I you, think and within 20, 30 years. We'll you want to invent it together? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great idea. Possibly. <laughs> right right now, I'm going to make Mama Thotion right. MLS the best that it can possibly yeah, be. It's going to uh, get there. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. It's already a great organization. Thanks. So what's the one piece of advice you could give to an agent or an owner about persevering in this market? Success is simple. Yeah. I mean, success is simple. It, it, it always has been, um, be intentional about what you're going to do. Yeah. Map it out, write it down, uh, think about it, dwell on it, ponder it, pray about it, whatever you do. Right. Uh, be intentional about what you're going to do. Uh, consistently apply the strategy to that intentionality. Mm -hmm. Got to do it every day. You, you can't say I'm going to lose weight exercise for one day and then get upset because you didn't lose 50 pounds. It takes right. time. Everything takes time uh, and invest in people and just do those three things. And, you know, you're an owner of a company, you're a, a brand new real estate agent getting started. You're, you're going to be wildly successful. Yeah, that's, that's great. You know, when you look at things like intentionality, everyone's capable of being intentional when you kind of reflect back on your life. There's always something someone's intentional about. They're either intentional about the gym. They're intentional about watching TV. They're right. There's Absolutely. it's in us as humans. It's how do you direct that intentionality to your point to something that's focused with strategies and it'll produce the results longer term. If you generally believe in what you're doing, uh, if you generally uh, um, know that you're on the right track, going in the right direction, if you'll do those three things. Um, yeah you'll be wildly successful. That same is true for leaders. Uh, I, I know I have a long way to go. Um, but I remind myself every day, like the, the backdrop on my computer screens, I got three screens in my office on my desk, uh, you know, for this zoom world that we live in. Yeah. The backdrop of all three of them right now says invest in people, because that's the thing that I have to remind myself the most right now right. is, uh, to invest in people, uh, the invest in people part of that equation. Right. And so I'm trying to intentionally, make myself, uh, and consistently make myself invest in people. Right. Um, because leaders have a tendency of getting way too far ahead right. uh, in the creative world that we live in yeah. and not bringing people along with them. Yeah. And, uh, That's great, Brian. So listen, everybody be intentional with what you're doing. Moral, moral of the story. Uh, Brian, I can't thank you enough for spending the time to be here with us today. Hey, my, my honor, Greg, uh, anytime we can, we can serve. We, uh, we appreciate you being a member of the association. We sure. appreciate your work uh, in New Jersey and, uh, and what you're doing to help put rooftops over people's heads. Well, and we appreciate you being here as well. Actually, before I wrap up, I want to come back to one thing. You had mentioned about a vision of getting 75 million people to not be homeless. Can we talk about that for a moment? Yeah. So uh, in the world, there's roughly 150 million people um, that don't have a place to call home. Right. Um, so I've stopped thinking about, um, you know, what am I doing today and tomorrow? Um, uh, and I've started thinking, you know, in context of how can we use the totality of resources entrusted to me, um, what little money we have uh, in the grand scheme of life, right. um, time, talents, um, to be part of that, to help end homelessness. I, mm -hmm. I don't think I can end homelessness, uh, for 150 million people. Um, but I'm sure going to try for 75 million. And, 
So uh, I let that be a driving thought in what I do. So I work with uh, different nonprofits that are are, um, engaged in that. Uh, Councils, national councils that are uh, part of uh, trying to end homelessness. My wife and I have created a different um, investment strategy um, than we traditionally have. We've started um, um, pre-pandemic, we changed the way we gave money to the political process, the criteria for giving money to the critical to the political process. Right. Uh, during the pandemic, I changed the way of how we're investing money, and so that investing money has to have an altruistic or a philanthropic aspect to it. And so, mm-hmm. when we're investing in projects like the hotel I was uh, talking about, you know, that's uh, that's a small investment in the grand scheme, but at the end of the day, that's going to help people that right now can't rent a home because they don't have a social security number or they don't have a credit score. Right. It's going to put them in a place where they have one deposit to make instead of 20 deposits to make in a very affordable fashion um, and will get their families out of the cars yeah. and into houses. Wow. Um, and so, you know, pick something um, to give back to this world. Wow. Uh, that's, that's I would say is that is anything that I could do to support that. I love that initiative. Whatever I could do personally through the scope of anything, just uh, we'd love to be able to help. Yeah. Well, uh, off, uh, off this, ask yep. me, uh, there's, I'll tell you, there's uh, two groups right now I know of that need some help. So, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about it off the air. We won't use your podcast to broadcast that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and again, thanks so much for, for being here today, Brian. Yeah, thank you. Mr. Brian Hutchinson. I, of course, am your host, Greg Wareham, with your mortgage process. We look forward to catching up with everybody next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process, hosted by Greg Wareham, produced by Greg Wareham and Nick Pavise at The Social Rift, and executively produced by The Social Rift. Thank you again for tuning in, and we look forward to catching up with you next week.